Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett, and I hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. I'm joined with a special guest, and we've both worked in ministry for over 18 years and have seen just about everything. And as damaged as we are, we're ready to dive in and bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every ministry leader has. Today, I'm joined with my special guest, very special to me, Kendra Bartlett, my wife. How are you, Kendra? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Great. Welcome to the show. So, Kendra, uh, the reason why we have her on today, aside from saving souls in purgatory by being married to me, which is quite the (laughs) adventure, um, is to also talk about kind of what the movement is going on with women right now in ministry. She has been a part of a number of different ministries, moms groups, and different things like that. The feminine genius is, uh, is stirring, not just in her, but throughout all female ministry leaders. And that's something that I think we need to be aware of as ministry leaders so that we can catch the same type of fire that the Holy Spirit is working in women today. Yes, absolutely. I think before we start, I want to share two quotes that I think can be at the root of our conversation and maybe guide it and inspire it. The first is from Blessed Pope Paul VI, and it says, The hour is coming. In fact, has come when the vocation of woman is being achieved in its fullness. The hour in which woman acquires in the world an influence, an effect, and a power never hitherto achieved. That is why at this moment when the human race is undergoing so deep a transformation, women impregnated with the spirit of the gospel can do so much to aid mankind in not falling. No pressure, women. (laughs) Um, The second quote that I want to share is by St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross, and it says, The world doesn't need what women have. It needs what women are. Mm, That's beautiful. Yeah. So unleashing the fierce power of women is uh, kind of what Blessed Pope Paul VI was saying. Like, the hour is coming. Indeed, the hour is here. Like, arguably, we need holy women more than any other time in history with some of the different scandals in the church and things like that. That nurturing reality, I believe, is what uh, is a step to bringing that unity that Christ desires in the church as a whole and indeed among all Christian denominations. Yes, I agree. And it's crazy because um, just in my own life, I've always had the heart for women's ministry. That's just what God put on my heart. And I know that, you know, women are called in many different avenues and facets. And I've seen women rise to the occasion in so many different opportunities and different settings. And it wasn't anything extravagant. It's women being brave and embracing who they are and the mission of life that God has called them to, whether it be starting a women's ministry or just serving their family with the utmost love and selflessness. Um, But as I've looked back, not looked back, but stepped back, um, I've been seeing so many different areas, so many different moments where you can just see women are being called forth and called into this deep love with the Lord. And it's not that his calling is just now coming about. It's always been there, but I think women's hearts are finally receiving it and turning towards it and living it. And that is inspiring other women to do the same. And I I think it's beautiful. I've seen this just this week. There was a teenage girl in adoration with me in my holy hour and she comes every Monday night. She's 15 years old. Like that's beautiful where we don't see that very often. And then another um, woman in there, she is um, a consecrated virgin and these women are so in love with the Lord that they are living it out radically and beautifully, yet simply. Yes, yeah, so often, especially when you get into motherhood, uh, the faith 
or even the idea of ministry, is something that you have to squeeze in in the midst of everything else. But uh, what what blessed Pope Paul the uh, sixth? Actually, it's Saint Paul the sixth now. Pope Paul the sixth, isn't it? Oh, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. What what he kind of says is like the the feminine genius being unleashed in every aspect, every facet is what the world needs. And so one could be a ministry leader while they're folding laundry for their kids. Is that it? Speak to that. Absolutely. Our role as women is to receive what we are given and pour all of ourselves into it. The feminine genius consists of receptivity, sensitivity, generosity, and maternity. And I believe all women are created with those different facets. And it's allowing those different aspects to come out in different parts of our lives, different roles that we serve, whether it be married or not, whether it be working, whether it be um, a ministry leader, serving the church, just as you would serve your children. Um, But we all have those desires, I believe, in our heart as well to um, just live that out. So back when uh, I was at the very first parish where I started ministry at, and I, I did youth ministry, I, I loved dodgeball. I loved all the all the competitive things. And uh, you were playing volleyball at the mm-hmm. time, so you loved all the competitive things as well. Um, but one thing that I caught myself in is we were doing dodgeball one week, and I realized that a number of the girls weren't participating. Our, uh, our, our youth program followed a 5 p.m. mass, and they would dress for mass. So they were in, you know, nice shoes and dresses and things like that. And dodgeball and dresses don't necessarily mix, right? Mm-hmm. And I fear, as, you, as you're sharing about this, this amazing gift uh, that, that women are, I, I fear that sometimes as a male ministry leader, um, just like I didn't think about what about those coming straight from mass into this youth ministry setting, um, I might not think about how my own male perspective might end up hindering or steamrolling over some of the gifts that women have. What would you say to to me or old me or future me or male ministry leaders out there in regards to how do we better steward uh, the feminine genius that exists within our female ministry leaders on our team? Well, we have to remember that there's a complementarity to men and women. And the fact that you desire to play dodgeball after mass is awesome. Um, Maybe just remind the girls to wear tights under their dresses or something like that. I don't think that we should stop doing those things because they're wearing dresses to mass. But I think many girls within them have this spiciness to them that maybe they're afraid to unleash or maybe is being unleashed in a misdirected avenue. But maybe they need to just throw a ball really hard at someone. And that's good. (laughs) What about when it comes to Sometimes uh, certain ministry leader personalities can can lead in a way that it leaves no air in the room for anyone else to breathe. And I think sometimes male ministry leaders, or maybe just me in particular, have fallen victim to that reality to where, you know, I'm, I'm just going, right? And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm being a man and I'm doing things, I'm taking care of it, and, uh, and, and people are following my lead, um, but it has a masculine, almost a masculine leadership style at the expense of mm-hmm. maybe some of the more uh, gentle aspects of femininity, how would I how would I invite women into the spotlight a little bit better as a ministry leader? Well, I think empowering your female volunteers to be fully female. If you're up there giving a talk or you know 
not steamrolling the night, but leading as you do so great. Well. Well. <laughs> okay, as you are doing what you do best, encouraging the women to see those who are on the margins, to see those who might not be receiving it well, and to go and sit by them and to nurture them and to love them where they are while the night is going on. Does that make sense? Sure. Because I think as women, we have this ability to sense what others are feeling in a deeper, more connected way than men do. And it's not that men are lesser by any means, but that's just one of the gifts that I think women have been given. Which is why when our kids get hurt, they run to you and not to me. Yeah, sometimes I wish they would run to you. <laughs> it gets, gets a little tiring sometimes. Um, but empowering your, your female volunteers to fully live out their feminine genius in different aspects. So how? What's one way, one example of how we could do that? <laughs> I don't know. She's giving me the eyes. Okay. Well, here's a question. And I think this is a, a, a fun question. But we met and uh, and we've been married for how long? 13 13? 13 is correct. Good. I was like, one of us will walk away disappointed. <laughs> uh, 13 years. And uh, we've been doing ministry together for uh, 14 years. Mm -hmm. Like we met in the midst of a ministry setting and that was awesome. But how has all the way from uh, youth ministry days back then and now your primary ministry is the family and then women's ministry, right? Mm -hmm. How has two things. The first, how has motherhood changed you as a ministry leader? Mm. Motherhood has taught me how to balance. Because you can't do everything at once. You just can't. Um, it's taught me how to surrender. Because again, you can't do everything on your own. And I mean that in the sense that surrender to the help of others, but also surrender to the Lord that you just need his help. And I think in ministry as well, it's so easy to get to where you just want to grasp at the graces. You want to grasp at the things that are going well and make them continue to go well. When in reality, it's allowing the Lord in to whatever you're planning and receiving those graces and going from grace to grace, knowing that he is going to cover it all. Like he is bigger than your challenges. He is bigger than your successes. And he has a plan for every single person that you're going to be ministering to. And it's surrendering to that and letting that happen because he knows what they need individually. And he's going to provide for that through you. It's interesting because as I'm hearing you, I'm thinking like, what if we only leaned in towards the things where we got positive feedback from, mm -hmm. right? What if we did that as parents? Mm -hmm. Diapers would never get changed because that's an unpleasant reality of parenthood. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I hear my kids, they're about to walk in on us any moment now uh, recording <laughs> this podcast. But uh, but there's unpleasant aspects that are necessary, right? And if we only lean in as ministry leaders towards the positive feedback, towards the things that feel good, towards the things that are easy, we're not going to reach the lost and the lonely in our communities that we're called to. We're not going to create on-ramps or even shake things up to meet emerging needs that we see. And that surrender, we have to trust in the Lord that if we take that step, that he's going to meet us there. He's going to be journeying with us in order to, uh, to yeah. even if we fail, we're striving for that need. And there's a good in that, in that attempt to do, to honor and glorify God by striving to meet this new need. God is honored by it. Yes. And even, even after events that you hold, whether it be small meetings, big youth nights, big women's retreats, whatever you may be doing, it's so easy in those moments to doubt every single thing that you did to doubt what you said, but when in reality, that is surrender as well, saying, God, 
you were there. I know you were there. And you are, why are you smirking at me? <laughs> because I know right after we were done recording this podcast, you're going to say, oh no, I said everything wrong. I should have done things differently. And I'm listening to you right now That's true. being like, I've got a, a, a trump card right now because I can just say, yeah. remember what you said, sweetheart. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. The evil one is certainly lurking in those moments for sure. Um, and just continuing to surrender and know, God, you had it, you have it, and you will have it. And I submit it to you. Mm-hmm. Good, good. The other piece that I wanted to ask is all these years ago in youth ministry, when when you started out in, in ministry, all the way to now with the variety, how have you grown and matured as a ministry leader or how has your feminine genius blossomed? Because it really mm-hmm. is something that, at least for me, I've seen in you become a passion in the last about seven years. So what did God do? How did you go from just the tag team with the youth ministry to kind of have a passion and a drive mm-hmm. for, for feminine genius to be at the forefront of what drives you as a ministry leader. I think where I have gone just personally in my heart is to a place where I've grown to know who I am in the Lord. I've grown to fully love that I am his daughter. I've grown to seek and desire to continue a deep relationship with him. And sometimes that means painfully waking up before my children so that I can go to daily mass or just coming and I have a crucifix in our bedroom and whenever it's chaos downstairs coming and just kneeling before him. And he has completely transformed my heart to recognize the thirst for him And that that thirst is not a burden, but it's a gift. And acting on that gift transforms. And in that, I thirst for others to taste that as well. And I thirst for others to be able to have that relationship with him to where they're able to just let go, to stop grasping, to stop controlling, and just let go and allow him to move and to act. And that's where my heart has gone from, yeah, I want to participate in this youth ministry. It's incredibly fun. I want to throw dodgeballs at kids and, you know, beat them at contests and stuff because I'm competitive and it's great to a place where I want to provide the space for women to um, just be loved on and to know that they are so deeply loved in his beloved daughters. And that's what drives me to do what I do now with women's ministry. Great. So uh, just as, as an example, because um, I, I think I know exactly what you're going to say to this next question, but uh, I think it also serves, this example also serves as a model. And so what is the best thing that you've done in ministry in the last year? Best event or? Yeah, best event or the best, yeah, the best thing that, that you've done. Okay, this done. is so fun. So for the longest time, I've had the desire to serve women, like I mentioned earlier. And years ago, I had started a ministry to allow women to come to adoration and to hear a speaker and have confession and everything. And it was great. And a lot of women were fed by it, but I was not able to get volunteers to help me. And it was just me and I just couldn't do it. So I had to, you know, set it aside. And I knew that God had placed that desire in my heart for a reason. And I just had to wait and allow it to come to fruition in his time. And this last year through you know, getting to know other women through our kids' school, the Lord brought together this team of women that have the same desires. And one of them, my dear friend, she said, hey, why don't we have a night of praise and worship for women? And I was like, "Uh, yes, please. Yes, let's do this. Let's do this. And so in a matter of two months, we planned this event for women to come and to have a meal 
because so much community is um, drawn together around food because food is awesome, breaking bread together and to have praise and worship and to listen to a speaker and just to be poured into and just to be loved on. And so in a matter of two months, we pulled this event off and we thought we we're going to get maybe 20 women there. And we ended up selling out at a hundred tickets and it was, it was mind blowing. And so from there we planned another event. And, um, what I loved the most was, um, just how effortless it all felt because it was completely God just covering all the little pieces, you know, we're all moms that do this. Um, the ministry is called his beloved of Texas and we're all moms. And so we don't have a ton of time to do this, but yet a week before the event, we all looked at each other and like thought, are we supposed to be stressed out right now? Cause we're not. <laughs> and you know that that's, that's God just covering everything. And it was such a blessing to walk into that room, to see the candles lit on the table, to know that they they know that we love them and more deeply, they know that the Lord loves them through this night. And it was beautiful. Like tears were shed. Women were hugging. <laughs> and to some women, that sounds scary. It was just so beautiful. And so many hearts were drawn deeper to him. And that was such a gift to experience and to be a part of. Yeah. And so as, as a model for ministry, you guys basically saw a need mm -hmm. uh, and, and sought out to meet that need for that specific group, which was women that were hungry to go deeper in prayer or women that were just hungry for a set aside prayer time or prayer experience. Mm -hmm. And you created the context for it and then just let God show up like that. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the beauty of it is it was like one part Martha and like 10 parts Mary where you just sat at the feet of the Lord together. And I, I, I think about that for ministry leaders out there, like to look at what the needs are in your community and then to uh, to seek to meet those needs in a setting that allows God to shine. And sometimes that could be, like we said, a dodgeball or a, or a sporting event or something that's more social in nature or fun, you know, family-based or whatever it is to look at the needs and say, okay, let's do this. Um, but a lot of times in ministry, I've seen people try and clump things together, mm -hmm. you know. And so let's do this ministry of uh, a night of prayer, but let's also sneak in laser tag at the beginning just so we can draw new people. And maybe it's okay to let laser tag be laser tag as a, as a ministry event at, at one thing for youth ministry or for whatever group and let the prayer night be a prayer night and kind of meet the needs of people where they're at and journey with them wherever they're at. I love that breaking bread is a part of all of it because as Catholics, that's what we do mm -hmm. best. Like Jesus calls Zacchaeus and he dines with them. You know what I mean? On the road to Emmaus, the people, his followers, you know, he breaks bread. I mean, everywhere he goes, he ate with them and then he met them exactly where they're at in doing so. Yeah. So I, I would just encourage to, to that I think serves as a great model of like, sure, Lord, our hearts are here. And I think other people share that. We're going to set this context up and then hopefully 20 people will show up and all of a sudden you guys were running mm -hmm. out of space. Yeah, absolutely. And if I can speak into that a little more, I learned a big lesson in this last event that I planned because I am a planner and I want every minute to be planned. So as a team and as an event that we put on, we know who's going to go up next and when the song's going to be played and what, I love you what so songs much right should be now. played. Preach, yes. Oh, but wait, <laughs> we shouldn't be doing that. I know. And this is the biggest lesson that I learned this last event. Um, a friend of mine, she has this phrase that has been rocking my world to its core. And she says, we cannot contracept the Holy Spirit anymore. And by that, 
programming, over-programming, thinking that this has to be a huge production with great production value, but that contracepts the Holy Spirit. And to over-plan sucks the life out of that event. And so she encouraged us to stop. And it was very hard for myself and one of my teammates who was also in charge of planning the minute to minute night. Um, it was very hard for us to do, but oh my goodness, God completely ordained the night and the schedule and the timing for everything to fall so beautifully into place that it was an opportunity for us to grow deeper in our love for the Lord because we saw him provide like right then we saw him provide. Um, and so to be open to those moments in the night itself, to allow the Holy Spirit to move through you, through other teens, through your volunteers, whatever it may be, stop contracepting the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let him loose. And there are some things logistically that have to happen. Like the, parent, the parents want to see a schedule of topics for, for, uh, for my program. Um, and I, I do youth ministry is I put a couple of open topics throughout the semester and that allows us the freedom to be like, I sense the Holy Spirit is really asking us to mm-hmm. speak about this topic or that topic. Great. The next open topic we can do, or even if it's a more urgent thing, like we've had uh, some people pass away or tragedies where we said, let's yeah. scrap the night and talk about this. Then we can move the topic to a different spot. So there has to be this docility. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I'm a little bit more type A, so I built it in. For you guys, it was beautiful because you just built this platform and unleashed the Holy Spirit, which was beautiful. But I got to tell you, when you told me that plan, <laughs> I had to bite my tongue because I am so type A, like that I, I don't contracept, I strangle the Holy Spirit oh, sometimes. Oh, me too. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So. We had two hours for praise and worship, speaker, whatever, two hours, mm-hmm. and it was so perfectly, beautifully filled. It was amazing. Good, yeah. good. What about, uh, what is the thing that God has put on your heart the most right now? Can <laughs> <laughs> elaborate a little bit? Sure. Like, yeah, regarding well, what? <laughs> well, there's, there, there's two things that I see. Um, one is uh, recently she has convinced me to uh, to get on board with uh, getting a bigger vehicle. And by a bigger <laughs> vehicle, we have six wonderful kids and we fit all nice and snug into a little Honda Odyssey. And uh, we just recently bought a 15-passenger van. 15! And, uh, and and what was the nickname that you and the girls gave it the other day? Oh, so I love taking whoever I can to daily mass or to school, wherever it may be. And some of the girls across the street, they wanted to come to daily mass with us. And I said, absolutely. That's why I wanted to get this bigger car. And we can call it the evangelization station. <laughs> so this is like the mom heart that she wants everyone like... Every time we drive somewhere, it's like a Thanksgiving dinner where she's like, let's bring the neighborhood together. Let's bring people together so we have enough seats and seatbelts. She's like, sweetheart, you know, if we got a 12 passenger, we'd only have four extra seats. <laughs> and I'm like, that's an other vehicle. Like a sedan has four extra seats in addition to the driver. Like, that's good. And she's like, that's not enough. We have to be able to bring people together and bring people to the yeah. Lord. And yeah. I think that it's an amazing vision, even if it terrifies me to... uh <laughs> Like purchase it <laughs> well, to purchase it. Yeah. To purchase it or for it to drive in the rain. I'm like, don't yeah. let anything bad happen to it. Be safe. Parking. Now we're going to have to get our steps in because we're going to have to park at the end of the parking lot because the thing yeah. is massive. But I think God's plan for it, just that you were able to share a vision like the Lord's kind of put on my heart that this is a part of our calling as a family mm-hmm. and it's unconventional. It doesn't make sense to me fully, but I think that's going to unfold. And I think that you're uh, femininity and your desire to bring people together and to nurture and grow, grow people. Um, well, we, we are 
called to live life together. And our society has gotten, we just seclude ourselves into our devices, into our own little worlds, into our busyness. And we stopped living life together. And so what happens then is, let's say, just because I'm a mom, I know this journey. First time mom doesn't know how to reach out for help and feels a burden to others that want to help. And that is slowly going to suffocate them as a new mom. It will. And we have to not only ask for help, but be willing to offer help and to live life together. Yeah, to where we as a community or neighbors, we grub hub dinner because we were afraid to go ask our neighbor for a cup of flour. Because, mm. oh, I don't have what I need to finish this recipe. I'll just have someone deliver me dinner and we'll get it next time we go to the store. When neighbors on either side mm-hmm. have that cup of sugar and would be delighted to help a neighbor out. Mm-hmm. And so we're actually taking away opportunities of charity. Um, and so now we have yeah. a, a chariot of charity with, <laughs> with 15 The evangelization seats. station. Oh, what, my what? goodness. I'm still so scared. I'm still so afraid. <laughs> so good. Well, um, tell me, tell us uh, where can people find more information about your ministry if they want to uh, see something more about... Uh, his beloved. Yes, we are all over Facebook and Instagram, His Beloved of Texas. We also have a website, hisbelovedoftexas.org, I think, or com. I don't know. Try them both. Google it. Just Google <laughs> it. It's fairly new. Um, but yeah, we are just regular women living life together, but you know, walking the road of striving for holiness and sainthood and falling all the time. But we help each other get back up and walk hand in hand this life together. It's great. What's the best way for people to contact you if you want, they want to continue the dialogue with you? Facebook? Personal email? What do I, I don't do? know. Yeah, you can do whatever. Sure. <laughs> you can find me on Facebook, Kendra Bartlett. There you go. Good. Um, and the beautiful redhead. You'll see her. Yeah. Good. Or reach out to these guys and they'll pass my information. I don't. Can I say like my email? Yeah, you can say yeah. your email. Okay. Bart, B-A-R-T, 35 at gmail.com. Good. I would love to continue the conversation with anybody that desires to. Or even just to, uh, if you are listening and you're like, I want this to happen at my parish or for my community in regards to just creating a night, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be just for women, just a night where the Lord is made radically present. Yeah. Um, she's happy to tell you all the pitfalls that they found along the way so you don't have to find them yourself. So <laughs> great. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us uh, today. Kendra, thank you for being a guest on our show. And we're going to continue the conversation online. Just search MLA Podcast at Facebook. Um, and you can also email us, MLA at ablaze.us. And then share this podcast with someone. Share it with a couple of people uh, so we can grow the community, right? Let this be yes. an extension of the evangelization station. And uh, finally, here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Take some time this week to pray for ministry leaders, especially female ministry leaders, to be able to rise up with their feminine genius and unleash the Holy Spirit into the communities which they serve. And we will see you next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. Thanks. God bless. Thank you, Kendra. Thanks. Bye, Taylor. Sorry. (laughs) 